Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Are we there yet, Matt? Well, Pete, not exactly. Before we jump into this episode, I did just want to hit on a couple of quick things. But first, Pete, who's our sponsor for this week? Our sponsor this week is Rocky Mountain Office Supply, Colorado's largest office supply superstore. I heard that they'll move anything in those trucks, Pete. Oh, they're lighter than air. <laughs> wow, well done. All right, with that, now we'll continue our little introductory bit. I just wanted to thank everybody who uh, slogged through some of the technical issues that we had with our uh, episode for the pilot. Uh, There's some stuff downloading uh, improperly, not the, you know, the, the whole file not downloading. Just want to give a heads up if you're not a long-term listener of ours, we do know what we're doing. We have about 65 or so episodes for our uh, pop culture podcast at fantasticgeek.blogspot.com. And before that... Uh, uh, I had done the podcast Looking Back at Lost, which uh, went for about 130 episodes. And Pete, you were, a, you were a frequent guest there. So thank you to everybody who uh, who kind of basically downloaded the episode again in order to, uh, to fix that issue. So just a big thank you to everybody at home before we kind of jump in there. Also, Pete, I just wanted to quickly mention that on the website, shieldpodcast.blogspot.com, over the weekend, I put up a PayPal link. It's not so that we can make our, our fortune off of this podcast. Just figured I'd put it up there in case anybody wants to, to help out, chip in a little bit to cover some of our, our costs for data storage and bandwidth and that sort of thing. So as I said, just put it up there for any uh, interested and kind parties. And here I was about to say that you are every bit the hacktivist that uh, Sky is. But apparently your quest to rub a couple nickels together makes you no better than uh, Quinn Worldwide. Well, you know what, Pete? And I guess now's a good time as I need to mention that the podcast will be moving to Malta for season two <laughs> uh, because they really understand us. Yes. Wonderful tax laws in Malta. Um, but this episode, uh, the asset is all about, uh, Dr. Hall here and, uh, that really the asset towards the end of the episode, he has become the liability. Um, and we find out he is in fact the mole, um, a, a, a trope we had to imagine at some point, you know, the leak inside. We talked, uh, last week, you know, where were Sky's motivations, and that's something that gets, uh, you know, played with quite heavily this week. Uh, this is clearly a Sky episode. You know, the first seven or so episodes out of a series, it's all going to be establishing character. And here Sky gets her episode. We get her put on a mission. And, you know, uh, Matt, I know you groaned a little bit over uh, the Twittersphere there with the uh, hacker ex machina. Yeah, initially, oh, first of all, let me back up and say I appreciate that they're doing character-focused episodes, episodes that that let a character shine, learn about them, see them grow as a character. It, it's a great model. I didn't love this episode. I like this episode. Certainly at the point of like, gee whiz, how are we going to get her in? Secret spy guy can't. He, he Three weeks for cover. And da -da -da, she's just like, boop, 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 boop. Nope, I did it through Evite. Ding. Um it wasn't crazy about it, but I'm also not not incredibly critical of it either. Right. I mean, the back channel voodoo as uh, the, the shorthand is thrown out pretty quick. I mean, we get what that's about. And, you know, while it could be uh, clunkier, um, you know, I, I still don't think they're on all cylinders. I think we're going to see a better shield to come. Um, you know, this type of episode in which we're going to create a bad guy, it's a necessary evil. And to be fair, wasn't there, wasn't Quinn floating the line that he kind of had left that back door propped open a little bit, you know, kind of in a, in a, you know, hacking sense, he had left it open a little bit just in case anybody was kind of smart enough to work their way in, that he was keeping an eye out for somebody who could do those things for him to kind of lure into his employ. Am I remembering that correctly, Pete? I think so. And, uh, you know, even considering that, though, he's clearly a pawn, um, you know, despite the fact that we're playing with a giant, you know, uh, gravitanium device. Clearly, he doesn't comprehend the gravity of the situation. By the end of the episode, 
in cold storage there with, uh, you know, no label on it in uh, the vault in the fridge, as Colson calls it. You know, we've got, you know, the, the first really big threat unique to the TV Marvel universe here. Yeah. And I thought it was a again, the whole the whole thing was kind of good. It, it was a good uh, attempt, a good execution of a, no pun intended, although there is the pun there for execution, but it was a good use of having a villain who uh, was multi-layered, not just out there saying, you know, mwahaha, I'll get you. Um, so that was certainly a positive. It just wasn't, I wasn't totally invested in kind of this self-contained, oh, well, I'm the guy who got me caught so I could find out what Quinn was doing. again it was just good it wasn't great i hate to repeat myself but i also don't want to sound overly down on the episode the episode certainly had some highlights which uh, you know we can discuss in a bit well we'll talk certainly about the villains as we always do in the dossier um because i don't think it's necessarily as clear-cut as that um but in terms of the symmetry you know having our hero essentially create someone who will become a villain that's textbook and, yeah. you know, that they're they're smart enough to go there at the same time. You're not going to reinvent the wheel with that type of idea. Um, you know, the, the tease was great. This idea oh, of throwing, yeah. you know, first cars and then this gigantic, uh, you know, truck in the air uh, mixed with the uh, – not well essentially the jailbreak because we know he he leaked the details of uh his uh you know um his whereabouts so that he could be uh you know stolen uh dr hall this canadian physicist who has trained two members had a had a vital uh role in the education of two members of our team in uh fitz and simmons um you know but not as entirely uh, as we thought and just like uh, Quinn you know all things can be found and all things can be broken into but you know as is mentioned heavily in the dialogue this is an episode about defining moments uh, not just for Hall but for Sky um, in a manner of speaking for Coulson and for uh, Ward as well he talks about the moment that you got to commit or bail and, you know, Coulson makes that commitment there, shoots the glass and uh, sends old Dr. Hall sideways, what seems like down because of the gravity into um, the device from the movie Contact. <laughs> well, I also was thinking of uh, the movie Inception with that, you know, the rotating room. I actually had wondered. And in fact, I can only imagine that that particular set, which was was not a large one. Uh, that of kind of, you know, the control room, gravity device control room. I have to wonder, either they built four of them, one on a different side, um, which might be your cheaper option now that I think about it, um, or they built a rotating set. Um, I, I thought that all those gags were great, the pouring the liquor to the side, having the room suddenly, you know, chunk over um it was a nice it was a nice action set piece it was a really nice um it was a nice opportunity to to show off what the show can do with effects uh and then to kind of end up where they're standing on the standing on the window and it's just a simple bullet shot to uh to dispatch dr hall uh again was also good it was a nice nice ending to the episode or the ending to the conflict nonetheless Pete, one thing I did want to mention, I felt like this was, this was an episode where it was almost a tale of two skies. And I'm not referring to is she is she going bad or isn't she, although that was a fun bit of fun bit of business there. We had in the first half of the episode what I thought was some very kind of familiar tropey stuff. Sky, the ill-fitting newbie. Now, we know she's new, of course, but it kind of was like this was the episode where it's like, what me team i don't quite get it right and then the you know you're not ready you don't understand you can't take this fake blue gun out of my hand and not pretend it's a joke (laughs) colson she's not ready you know and 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 may a little bit to that extent definitely you know but again when i say this episode is a necessary evil i mean that in the best possible way um, that they have to pretty much go down this path um, 
and you know lead us to the place where the series can ultimately break new ground and and really surprise us what i never care for in a tv show is when they're a bit um a bit lazy with delivering exposition now look we get it that fitzsimmons are genius level people and we also get that sky is in many ways the audience she's the us we don't know all this stuff but to kind of be like whoa 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 science twins what you what you say about this explain it to me because i'm a high school dropout and then they're like well let's now take you through all the necessary expositional material my only hope is we don't have episode after episode where the lovely fitzsimmons are you know and i don't mean that lovely just you know because i'm quickly uh smitten with simmons but just kind of the, the wonderful uh energy that they bring as a duo and i just hope that they're not essentially the um well the bonnie of knight rider saying hey let me talk to you before the mission and off you go like i kind of want more out of them i frankly want to see fitz and simmons on uh you know in, in some uh some field duty before too long right i i do like the cute moments they're getting you know uh fitz bringing up uh how he thought sky uh got to where she did um you know his characterization of eating a nice big bowl of popcorn as they're uh you know listening in and everything there um you know so right now it's working for me and they're gonna get their moments to shine you know they're each gonna get an episode here through this early run and and you know get their opportunity Pete, before we move on, one more quick thing. I thought that it was the most, I found surprisingly most emotionally effective in the uh, portion of the episode. I bought into Sky's foster kid story. I thought that her her acting nailed it. I thought that the writing was particularly good. I thought that, it, I mean, they didn't have a long uh, scene. They didn't have a, a lot of time to deal with it in the episode. But just kind of the whole like, she she offers enough to be like oh i called her mom i tried it out and then she kind of walks it off and you know the, the, the line is something like i guess it didn't fit like she she shows that emotional vulnerability and then dials it back almost immediately because she knows and ward knows and we know the end of that story which is she was just there a month it, it wasn't meant to be and what that could do to a nine-year-old it went by very quickly i thought that it was very very well done only complaint was Bear McCreary's music was a little bit too saccharine. Um, but I thought that the scene as a whole was just spot on. I want that mixed in with my action adventure sci-fi drama. Like yeah, it was it was it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. I can't say that I was as uh into that scene, although I did buy the symmetry, particularly what she had mentioned early on about you know, in, in a, a different context with Fitz and Simmons being a high school dropout. Yeah. Um, so really kind of rounded that into perspective. So Matt, in our dossier, we're going to unwrap here the, uh, the Manila folder and get into first, uh, again, a two-tier structure, not quite who we think is the total villain until we get somebody who may ultimately be a much greater villain we start with uh, this Quinn, Ian Quinn character, uh, kind of uh, a poor man's Tony Stark, if you will. He certainly is. Um, I felt like, no disrespect to the actor, but I felt like the actor was not great. I felt like I was, uh, I felt like I was caught in the most tropey business of kind of you know '80s action crime drama. You know your Knight Riders, your A Team, your Dynasty, that kind of thing. Uh, Rose Dynasty wasn't exactly crime drama, but that kind of feeling of I don't know. Somehow the actor just wasn't quite breaking through the television in terms of his personality in a way that I would have hoped. But that said, certainly charismatic. Certainly, I mean, given that he is in, in a large sense playing second fiddle, he's kind of once again one of these Marvel villains where. Is he the villain? Not exactly. The villain is actually somebody who you didn't think in the first half would be the villain. Um, Which we've seen a lot of, you know, analyzing their universes we have. Um, but kind of a, a, a Goldfinger-esque, you know, has, has laser fences and, you know, <laughs> off in a, in a hard-to-reach location and, you know, uh, the, the ritzy, glitzy side of this. Um, you know, I, I did find it 
a, a little less than credible. The sky marching in in the fuchsia dress, um, you know, uh, head or I'm sorry, hand to ear speaking, uh, yes. you know, jargon over the thing there. I, I thought, um, you know, we 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 broke a wall a little bit with with that. Um, but you know what? This show, as far as tone, has been playful enough where you'll forgive something like that. Um, but, you know, Quinn with his, you know, full sized, uh, you know, uh, gravity generator and his laser grid, you know, he's all about, you know, getting rid of these corrupt institutions like S.H.I.E.L.D. and the United States and freedom. <laughs> there definitely I think that there was almost certainly an intentional James Bond through line in Absolutely. this episode that, you know, the teaser act is very much kind of was a scaled down for for tv budget you know 007 opening and then as you say you kind of have this gold finger you know no i expect everyone to die kind of yes. you know gleeful baddie uh again fun certainly fun another example of something in this episode that while it's not hitting a home run it's getting on base and it's doing so in a very entertaining manner um and i mean i, I i'll just mention you know when it's like it's time to evacuate then there's the most tropey rich bad guy line ever that I, i'm not complaining it was like get to the chopper you know of course right. there's a chopper on the roof it's a it's a gold encrusted diamond chopper exactly you know and and the thugs and and everything like that you know but i again that is what it has to be to come back again you know when we're talking about the bad guys of this being a necessary evil it is what it is uh what we you know didn't expect, but kind of expected is that the, you know, the scientist that is stolen for his mind and for what he can do with technology, that he would become somebody that we're going to assume at this point is going to be a bad guy in Graviton. I'm not completely certain. Uh, you're not certain that, that what, that the character won't become a bad guy or that they won't yeah. return to him? No, he'll definitely be back, as we saw with mm. the little end scene there. Um, but, you know, I, I, as far as his motivations, I mean, all right, so now he's in the, you know, gravity ball, netherworld place. You know, is he filled with anger because of this? Is it going to be one of those, thank you, Coulson, you, 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 you know, open my mind to the possibilities type of guy? You know, he seemed to be magnanimous enough that he was going to destroy this so other people can't have it and now he is this technology i i felt a little unclear in in the very climax of the episode i thought that he dr hall was offering to be the catalyst and then colson's like time for me to make a hard decision boom you're the catalyst glass shatter and there's this moment where i was like but didn't he just kind of offer that? Like, I thought that he was willing to jump on the grenade a la Captain America, not kind of get bamboozled into it. But I, I didn't I, see so much the the willingness to sacrifice himself. He was going to destroy the technology, right? He said he was going to bury it at the bottom of the ocean. Yes, yes. That he was there to make things right. So does that become a through line for when he reemerges here from Gravity Netherworld's uh, dimension that he's still going to want to set things right is is it going to be like bizarro you know does he want you know to, to go dc here does he want everything to be opposite down is up up is down you know will he say uh instead of uh hello <laughs> will he say goodbye you know and then elaine can remind us no it's isn't it bad bye uh you know is, is it going to be opposite world with the gravity uh, that he's going to want to make things quote unquote right to him. Um, is his idea going to become chaos so that things will just float around? And I realize there's a whole thing out there about uh, Graviton, but the, the thing that I want to evaluate Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on, at least at its first extent, is what it's going to make its own world before the the gut reaction of a lot of us to go instantly rushing to the internet and look up Graviton and be like, Oh, this is what it's got to be. This is what it will become because this is what already exists. You're right, Pete. It's not like, you know, uh, 
it's not like everybody just knows off, off the top of their head that the master of fundamental force first appeared in Avengers 158 in April 1977. That, you know, for, for some of you lesser folk, that indeed might require the Wikipedia, which I will now close. Um, Pete, you have turned me around to the idea that that the um, the hook scene at the very end where the supposedly dead bad guy comes back for one final scare that that was more than kind of a, you know, a fun, you know, kind of uh, fanning of the audience and might be setting up the plan at some point, I would imagine not this season, but at some point for the return of Gravitron, Gravitron or Graviton? Graviton. Graviton. There you go. Maybe I shouldn't have closed that Wikipedia page so quickly. Um, I think that that would be a fun season two episode to have him suddenly get out. It's the return of Graviton and, you know, to kind of do your somewhat standard but nonetheless enjoyable you know now that he has power now that he is not human anymore almost kind of like a dr manhattan you know what have i become where is my humanity i would certainly make for a fun episode in season two i would i would welcome it i'm almost willing to bet it will be in season one really they're it's way too soon for this to be something that they will return to that far down the road i think this is you know this is the first um series baddie other than the rather amorphous uh rising tide which i think the jury's still out on and it's the type of thing where you know we're gonna see this early on and if not a sweeps episode at some point uh you know uh a standalone uh return is going to be in the offing Okay, fair enough. I I think that support of what you're saying might be how quickly we returned to uh, it wasn't exactly the hook from last week because that that of course was the presence of uh, Fury, but the way last week's episode ended with you know is Scott what is Sky's motivation? The fact that we returned to that this week, albeit did not resolve it definitively, but the fact that it, there was just this through line from last week to next week, uh, I think is certainly supportive that we could see Graviton. Uh, you know, before the season ends. And uh, just as a side note, I certainly enjoyed the fact that they're they're kind of doing that, that famous, at least famous to us in our different shows we've podcasted, the kind of procedural uh, hybrid where we do have a through line from week to week and you can just sit down and go, right, good guys, bad guys, go get them. Right. Well, to return to the sky stuff, you know, and again, we're questionable as to where her motivation is in the middle of the episode when she tells Quinn Shield is listening, you know, where is she going to be with that? She takes out the uh, the listening device and the ability for them to monitor what she's up to. Um, but then by the end, you know, she's committed, as is brought up before. She's she's chosen uh, this and really sides have been chosen in general. And again, it remains to be seen what, uh, you know, Dr. Hall or Graviton or whoever, you know, the name's not been spoken on uh, on uh, the show just yet, uh, what his motivation will be. Um, this idea that, you know, you're right where you're supposed to be, okay, when these things go down. And uh, he feels that he's saving millions. So when he reemerges, you know, it's it's like a lot of great bad guys. If he is indeed a bad guy, he doesn't view himself as a bad guy, that he's trying to do, again, the right thing. Well, speaking of the right thing, I thought that it was the right thing on the show's part, if, if you'll pardon me for being a little bit, you know, if I step down off the intellectual throne for a moment, it was the right thing to throw Sky into the pool and then have her run out of the pool, sopping wet for about three to five seconds. I'd just say, good job, team. And you know what? I won't be misogynistic there. You want to throw a warden there anytime? Go for it. Equal, equal time, says I. There you go. I was just going to say that was all right. Well, Pete, before we move on to our next segment, I just wanted to give a quick heads up. This is the last episode that we're doing. <gasps> Before New York Comic Con, and uh, of course those who subscribe to our Pop Culture Podcast will already know that we have a, uh, a little preview of New York Comic Con on that feed that went up on Monday. We're going to be uh, putting our New York Comic Con preview on the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast feed as well. Uh, we'll be doing that on Thursday, so that'll be a little extra bonus for you. If it's not your cup of tea, so be it, you know. 
Certainly, Pete, the thing that we are most interested in seeing at New York Comic Con, Saturday night, 5 o'clock, in the main theater, is what, Pete? Well, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be there, Matt, and have a rather prominent presence. They're getting really the catbird seat right before the most anticipated panel of the weekend, which is the Walking Dead panel, which takes place Saturday evening. And right now, the only announced person for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is uh, the head of Marvel Television, Jeff Loeb. I know somebody on Twitter had asked Clark Gregg, are you going to be at New York Comic Con? And he gave some sort of vague answer. I'm hoping, I'm secretly hoping hoping that New York Comic Con is wonderful in so many ways, but it does not quite have the gravitas of San Diego Comic-Con, I'm hoping that with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're looking to do one of those big, yup, it's just going to be Jeff Loeb, and Jeff Loeb is going to show some clips now. Lights down, everybody. Oh, we see some clips. Lights up. The cast is there. Surprisingly unannounced. That's what I'm hoping for. Listen, um, you know, San Diego got the pilot months ahead of time, and all right, kudos to you for that. But, you know, I feel we're really going to get, you know, if not several members of the cast, you know, we're, we're going to get some nice things thrown at us here. Uh, you know, again, the East coast, we do it right over here. We know what's up. And, uh, yeah, I just think, uh, Marvel's going to take care of us, uh, here in New York. Let's hope so. And, uh, I'll just mention to our listeners that, uh, if you're going to be at New York comic con either Friday or Saturday, uh, even indeed, possibly even Thursday, I think Pete is still, uh, Still figuring out his schedule for that. But certainly Friday, I will be there. Saturday, Pete and I will be there. If you'd like to meet up on those days, I've uh, tweaked our Google Voice listener line where you can send a text on those days. I I do it ahead of time because it's tough to get a cell signal oftentimes in the Javits Center. But you can text us at 732-707-1815. That's the listener line. Send a text. Say, hey, looking to meet up with you guys. Hope to you know cross paths, whatever. We will be handing out Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. buttons. The order came in today. Pete, I sent you some pictures. You haven't even seen them in person yet. But mm-hmm. we're just looking to you know cross paths with some people, meet some podcast listeners, meet some S.H.I.E.L.D. fans, and uh, have an awesome time. In our level seven segment, Matt, We're going to be looking at a variety of things tonight. Let's start off with a softball. Truth serum or no truth serum? Uh, I like that they floated it as a gag and then brought it back as question mark. Um, If you're asking me, do I think it's real or not? Do I think the truth serum is real? (sighs) I'm going to say, I'm going to go with that first reaction from the pilot. I'm going to say it was it, it was real truth serum that, you know, Colson is all about these these unusual uh, methods. And he was just willing to say, I know what Sky knows. I know that that uh, that Ward is, you know, level six or has been level six. He's only recently level seven. So she knows what he knows. Let him talk. He did, uh, you know, the, the machismo. I get it. You know, oh, you only caught me with a level one overshare. Um, you know, I, I would tend to agree with you. I, I don't think Ward is about mind games. Um, so I think he's just trying to cover up his uh, his tracks here. But I, I kind of dug that to, you know, to return to that a couple times and to create that mystery with something that was two episodes back. But it, it's a nice callback. It is. And it is. It, it certainly helps to increase the affable nature of this pairing which let's be honest you know by episode nine you know there'll be a full-blown item right right let's just foresee it now that the two of them get caught you know in the cave after a rock slide or oh no it's the arctic adventure and there's only one you know one sleeping bag there's gonna be something like that where it's like next week you shippers get all you want with ward and sky candle it in the cave there you go well speaking of the power of prediction matt the big theory we've been evaluating is colson's resurrection and what all of this is about and uh several theories have uh popped up as to that this week they certainly have we uh we had uh, looked at a website um 
uh, a couple days ago, as I recall, and they had a number of theories. Pete, there was one in particular that really, uh, really caught your eye. Do you want to discuss that one? Definitely. And I think, uh, I don't know if that post was done with any kind of insider uh, knowledge, uh, despite the fact that I am uh, spoiler Pete, hashtag spoiler Pete. Um, but there was a very uh, pregnant line, a uh, couple lines between Dr. Hall and Coulson uh, late in the episode. Um, you know, Dr. Hall says he can see the future. And Coulson says, yeah, I can see the future and I see people in trouble. And one of the theories that has been floated um, that is connected to a character, it's not a spoiler, it's its casting news, that was just cast in Avengers 2, the Scarlet Witch. Um, and that the idea we've returned to on several occasions, the line that uh, Coulson has spoken, you know, Tahiti in this magical place and what might be, you know, where he was healed or an implanted memory or whatever. But the emphasis on magic, um, you know, the lesser known Olsen sister was uh, cast this week for Avengers 2 and someone that uh, the Scarlet Witch is known to associate with is a character named Vision and it seems to be quite possible now that um, Coulson is or is in the process of becoming this character vision. I go back to his uh, Matrix-esque dodging of a car door in the pilot. And, um, you know, that, that very loaded line here that he sees the future, he sees people in trouble. I, I think they might be hinting a little bit to us or we might be reading uh, in, in a little entirely too much so early in the series. It, you know, it certainly is possible that they're using the the knowledge of the, the Marvel Comics universe kind of against everybody that they'll right. throw a couple of breadcrumbs the wrong way. I certainly there was that line about uh, how he's lost his muscle memory. And I was thinking about that saying that's that's suggestive of of your your experience your soul your brain however you want to kind of characterize it that that is intact but that it's in it's in a new set of muscles it's in a new body uh whether that is in a magical sense whether that is in what i think at this point is an overhyped the 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 life model what's the proper what's the term the life the life model decoy, which comes from the comics, where it's essentially this you know advanced robot that doesn't know it's a robot that has the same fingerprint and DNA and hair and all that. That's kind of the number one theory to the point that if they, if if Coulson did end up being a life model decoy, people would not be wowed in any way at all. That you know it would be like you know unlost. Oh, it sounded like a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur. They're on Dinosaur Island. Like it just. Yeah, I, I'd be really let down if he's. He's a cyborg or a robot or or something like that. You know, I I, I think and I, I think it would be really cool to make a guy who's got a serious Jones for superheroes like a Captain America into his own superhero. And then, you know, with all the identity issues that would come with that. And yes, he thinks it's cool, but what's the cost? You know, and, and that's something I think that the the Marvel characters have explored very well in the cinematic universe and we'll see how it plays out in the tv universe is what is the cost of becoming a superhero gaining these powers by the way the last theory from that website which i don't know that we've properly credited it's marvelintel.blogspot.co.uk um one of the theories there is that uh he actually did die and he actually stoned his body but he was brought back to life with some of the extremists uh, technology and know-how that we saw uh, in, in Iron Man 3. Um, the I think that's then, too available. I think yeah. that's too closely associated. It, it would be too quick of a bang. There it is. Um, you know, listen, we're going to find out over time and, and we're going to find out on the schedule they want us to. But, you know, that we're playing this guessing game and that we're doing this podcast thinking about that you know, we're, we're playing right into their hands. Indeed. Well, that Pete, what other level seven theories are floating around your, your noggin there? Well, I think it was interesting. The, you know, the theoretical machine powered by a theoretical substance. And then, you know, you have Quinn talking about this, you know, uh, gravitanium, 
Um, and the idea of, you know, changing the rules where we've already talked in this series, it's been a theme that we're changing uh, maps and we're wiping away borders. Um, you know, is it a little convenient to suddenly create a new element on the periodic table? Yeah. Um, but, you know, in light of the guise of the Goldfinger type of villain, you know, charity in one hand, wanting to rule the the world in the other and, and re, uh, redo physics, I, I thought, you know, the dichotomy paired well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, all in all, it was a fun episode. It was a solid episode. And um, I, I like that, you know, apparently now they're in the pattern of um, seeding the next episode with a little bit in the current episode, also kind of giving you that that last final zinger scene. Um, I think both are, you know, if both kind of become the, uh, I don't want to say trope because that's almost a, a, a pejorative, but if both become part of the format of the show that you know hey around 8 45 somebody might say something that will give you a little hint towards where things are going to go next week it, it certainly is a fun pattern that they're setting up pete definitely uh talking about patterns boy um did the bus get uh fixed rather quickly there um i haven't seen a plane uh fix that quickly since ever you know what? When when the agent or the or when the director of the agency himself comes down, you know this is a priority job. And for all we know, they might have like a spare bus ready to go. You know, quick pop out this this portion of wall, stick it over there. You know, who knows? Well, clearly this was both filmed and executed before the uh, eight day government shutdown that we're now mired in. So, you know, I know Shield operates off the books and you know under the radar, but. Wow, man, that plane hasn't looked that good since the pilot episode. <laughs> um, you know, great line out of uh, Fitz. And um, please, please, producers, get to this at some point. The obsession that he had with a monkey and that a monkey <laughs> yes, could break yes. into this place uh, with his adorable little hands. Uh, that was funny. It was quirky. It was spot on. And I demand... Uh, monkey hijinks you know what that was a perfect example of that's a perfect example of an actor who knows that they're not getting uh, you know the, the the action in the episode the romance they're, they're not getting the cream of the crop for the for the writing but what they do get they're saying my character is the center of my story you know that that fitz believes himself to be the hero of the fit you know the fitz agents of shield and he's just going to He's just going to go there as an actor, own the moment, not be like, you know what? They're playing me for cheap laughs. Why do they come over here to do It's just that was that character living in the moment with a certain quirky logic, a certain crazy, brilliant logic to it. Just wonderful, wonderful moment. Right. And lastly, you know, for me, I'll just say that, you know, I know you like the Sky Foster parents, you know, backstory i've got to wonder with you know some questionable motivations we've already seen is she feeding ward what what ward wants to hear is this oh, yes. sad story being teased out and no my daddy is or whatever or even just like oh here's my you know white picket fence house and, you know, in the middle of, you know, Michigan or whatever. And here's the pictures of my first steps, my first tricycle, first day of kindergarten and middle school and high school graduate. And then, oh, that would be great, Pete. Oh, if that's your, you know, if that's your prediction, I'm on board with that. But I will say last week, my argument that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was making a family of sorts. I called her the foster child slash uh, cousin. So the fact that she is an actual foster child, at least thus far. I don't want to say I called it, but that's in the shadow of your – I mean, that would just be awesome. That would be so incredibly awesome to have that be towards the end of the season where, boom, meet Sky. She's part of a perfectly you know, normal nuclear family. Well, Love you it. did call it, Matt. And in decrypted transmissions, let's look at who called us this week. Indeed. Well, first of all, from our pal Ian, he had sent us an email two weeks ago that I think I had I had uh, mentioned on Twitter that I just completely forgot about. So he had uh, said as follows. Uh, 
As to the show itself, it didn't have much buildup in the UK, but having a transmission just a few days after the US really helps to bring people in, as we heard lots about it from the US Wednesday morning via social media, uh, which is interesting because the UK, Pete, had this uh, fun little um, viral marketing thing, which mm-hmm. we might have talked about last week, was like, call the number if you've seen something strange and you get a recording. Right. Um Ian goes on to say, which brings me uh, on to a question about the logos used for S.H.I.E.L.D. Why so many different variations? And he's right. There's kind of one version on the plane, one version, uh, you know, kind of in your computer background, another one that, that was kind of on the uh, the steel door that Dr. Hall was hidden behind at the beginning of the episode. Ian asks, is it a nod to the past, a way of saving money by reusing previously created props or something else? So, Pete, I put it to you. I don't know. I hadn't seen, I hadn't really noticed a ton of variation uh, between them other than the size, you know, the one on top of the plane and then the one, you know, we see elsewhere. It's certainly a possibility. We know that this has existed for some time. Um, The Marvel one shot on the Iron Man 3 uh, DVD and Blu-ray Agent Carter goes into, you know, the origins of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and her going to work for uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. in Washington, D.C. So maybe there's a a tie-in down the road. Uh, We also got an email for Ian this week um, that uh, he wanted us to discuss after viewing the third episode. And I think it's going to cause some good conversation indeed. The statement he would like us to discuss is this. Without the MCU link... This would uh, this would so far be a fairly unoriginal TV show with not much to interest the casual viewer. That's his statement, and he kind mm-hmm. of uh, sets it up as: I ask the question not to denigrate the show, but to find your thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe being the main draw, and whether the series can, at some point, soon stand on its own without having to rely on its parent for inspiration, or whether the link is a unique selling point and should not be removed at any cost. So, your thoughts, Pete? What would this show be if it was just super alien superhero crime fighter team? Not on TV. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's at least initial draw is and and that's let's be honest, you know, that's why Whedon and uh, you know, Disney and and Marvel and ABC have greenlit this project is because of the universe it can play with. Um, yet not have to bring Captain America and the Hulk, et cetera, et cetera, in every week to lean upon them. And uh, if this is Graviton, get into, you know, a villain who's not been used in the movies as of yet, or could be just a villain on the show, whatever it is. Um, so I think they overlap. I, I, I think it can be both. Um, you know, kids know the movies. People know the movies. Uh, clearly they're capitalizing upon that and you know you take the training wheels off and then it stands on its own yeah i mean this show won't work if the 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 cast if the cast members if the agents of shield aren't compelling interesting characters they can bring in all the comic book references from characters that appeared in the seven you know first appeared in the 70s avengers 158 that's all gravy and that's all fun discussion but if you don't believe in these central characters uh, then the show isn't going to go anywhere. And uh, I would disagree that it's... I, I, I would disagree with Ian that without the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the show is fairly unoriginal. I kind of get where he's headed. I think that without the Marvel link, is this kind of some sort of superhero-esque thing that would be on the CW? Maybe. But um, I think that I think that you cannot remove that link for a bunch of reasons, including this was kind of conceived as a link. You know, they paid five or six billion dollars for Marvel. Disney did. They want to get their get their money's worth. And if you're getting your money's worth out of Graviton this week, you know, okay, so be it. Everybody's happy across the board. Exactly. There's so many things that would never make the cut in this rich universe uh, for the films. You know, two, two and a half hours in a max at a clip. There's just so much that you can't get to over you know, decades of uh, comics. So to to get an opportunity on TV, it was only logical with this, as big as they've made this universe cinematically um, to bring it to uh, the small screen. 
Pete penultimately for our uh, decrypted transmissions. We have a tweet here from Glenn Curtis, our our pal from uh, for, for a while now, looking back at Lost Pal. He said, before the episode aired, will Graviton make an appearance? I think David Conrad has a recurring role as the quirky scientist. So certainly, uh, Pete, there's some support there if Glenn is indeed correct that uh, the actor has, has you know, uh, it will re- recur. Uh, all the more reason to think he'll be back this season. Yeah, like I said, I, I would definitely bet on it if we don't see him, you know, before February sweeps. I'd be very, very surprised. And lastly, we have an email from Michelle who brings what she calls a dreadful theory. And her email reads as follows. One line of Coulson's in episode 102 kindled an idea that I am both loath and desperate to share. Let me know what you think, says Michelle. When Reyes suggests that Coulson's newly assembled team is a result of his midlife crisis, he tells her that, quote, they, the team, don't need me. They just need time, close quote. Michelle says, it made me think, could Coulson and the creative minds behind Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually be preparing his team to function without him? Could Clark Gregg be giving Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. its starting push only to move on at the end of the season? Could season one conclude with Coulson dies part two? Michelle wraps up and says, I know this is a bit off the rails, but my own investment in this show surprises me. The thought of losing any member of this new family already hurts. So your thoughts, Pete, are we preparing for Colson dies part two? God, I hope not. Um, you know, the, the guy is the show and, you know, that was a major selling point. And, you know, you had this death of this character in the film franchise only to, you know, rekindle him in the TV version to yank him away from us. And I'm sure it would probably be to incorporate him back in the movies and, you know, making the draw there, I just think would be a little too much of a yo-yo effect. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's beyond the realm of possibility. Uh, I, I do like the idea, but you know, as Michelle indicates, that would be, uh, that'd be kind of painful to, uh, to lose the the father, the uncle figure, uh, the coach, as I called him last week, um, you know, twice. It, it it would be that said. I think she has a wonderful uh, theory. In ter- I mean, she says it's dreadful. It, it, it's a it, it's a frightening thought. Uh, let's hope it is not true. But she certainly isn't saying it's true or it's not. She's just bringing it up as a theory. And uh, indeed, that snags Michelle the coveted title of agent of the week. And Pete, the hope is, with any uh, with any bit of possibility there, we don't need to mail Michelle her uh, her new Agents of Shield uh, podcast button, but we might actually run into her at New York Comic Con. So uh, certainly a uh, a well deserved uh, title there, and congratulations, Michelle, the uh, Agent of the Week. Absolutely, well earned. And uh, I will mention too, Pete, and not exactly feedback for this episode, but one thing, uh, uh, a message sent to us by the uh, interestingly named Kissed by Fire. Uh, She left a review for us on iTunes, said the best five stars and uh, commented declassified a must listen for all your burning Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. needs. So I know how much we love those iTunes reviews and um, certainly is just uh, just nice to see that. Whether it's email from Michelle, whether it's tweets, whether it's reviews on iTunes, we're certainly uh, hearing more and more from people. Definitely. And, uh, you know, thank you for the kind words there. Uh, I'll mention, too, that um, that what I've set up is on the on the website, we're going to have uh, 48 hours before the episode airs. I'm going to put up a little um you know, kind of preview, not not preview in terms of, you know, what the episode is going to be, but a place where if you'd like to go to shieldpodcast.blogspot.com and um, and share some thoughts about the upcoming episode or, you know, like you're not not into email, you're not into Twitter, whatever it might be, that certainly is an open um, an open uh, option there. And indeed, Pete, we had a comment on our pop culture podcast feed, which we simulcast agents of shield, as well as some of the other uh, odds and ends that we do. That'll be the place to hear our New York comic con thoughts. Um, We also had a comment from somebody who, um, who had, uh, well, had something to say about, uh, about agents of shield. Would you like to hear that comment, Pete? I would. 
Now, this was uh, at least his name like, was left anonymously, but um, this person says, My theory on the antimatter meteorite, that of course referenced last week, it could be the big black thing that tears through the city, Speed 2 style, in Thor 2 The Dark World. I'm, so, I really wouldn't put it past them to, again, you know, wrap a bow on this universe and, you know, have things be so tightly contained that one event dovetails into the other, dovetails into the other. You know, we could certainly be um, in a point with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where the events of Thor 2 have already taken place or some events that will take place in them uh, have kind of happened already. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, that's definitely a, a, a cool idea. And uh, we'll know soon enough, uh, you know, Thor comes out in uh, November. So just to review, to share uh, podcast feedback, you can go to shieldpodcast.blogspot.com. You can leave a comment there. You can say hello to us on Twitter, where we are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH. Uh, you can send an email to fantasticgeek at gmail.com. You can leave a message on the listener line, 732-707-1815. Also, looking ahead to New York Comic Con, you could send us a text if you want to meet up. And, uh, Pete, that covers kind of the podcast. But, Pete, every day, every day, there's, there, there's web traffic to suggest that you are increasingly one of these you know if you had a youtube show you'd be up there with the jenna marbles and all of those but you don't you're a podcast man and how can people interact one-on-one with you you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r and i of course am looking back lost and with that pete I know I'm psyched about uh, dropping our New York Comic Con preview episode on the S.H.I.E.L.D. feed on Thursday. Hopefully seeing some S.H.I.E.L.D. fans at New York Comic Con over the weekend. Hopefully seeing some S.H.I.E.L.D. actors or producers or directors uh, at uh, at New York Comic Con as well. Certainly very, very high hopes there. And uh, we'll report back the S.H.I.E.L.D.-specific stuff uh, when uh, when we talk again next uh, next Tuesday for next week's episode 104. So with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners. Look forward to, uh, to talking to everybody again next week. And Pete, the moment has come. What is your final word? Something tells me that wasn't the off button.